Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 42nd episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and this week, my guest co-host is back from my college days, back to Elon University. She is a tennis star and a Florida girl, too. My guest co-host this week is Montana Moore. Hello, Montana. So good to see you. (laughs) Hello, Liam. So good to see you. I'm awesome. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so grateful to be here. And I'm so excited to listen to the story and hear this podcast. Yeah. Oh, I am so excited to have you. Montana, like, it's been so long. Like, we, like, we have not, I've not seen you probably in, like, four years, if I take, like, probably since you graduated, right? Well, yeah. We can't feel that old, though. Let's say, like, it's been one year. (laughs) I know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, my elbows are like creaking just like saying that. So yeah, let's not talk about that at all. But I'm so glad to have you back uh, to 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 be to catch up with you and chit chat. So um, I think we should celebrate this big reunion with um, a glass of wine. So how about that? Yes, most definitely. I'm down. All right. Well, this week we are drinking Clos de Bois Pinot Noir. It displays aromas of black cherry and baking spice. It has luscious notes of black cherry and cranberry leading to a silky finish that's very like like very luxurious description there so i'm really excited to hear that and it's also like a very like classy looking bottle so like i'm excited for this it is it most definitely is and i don't even like pinot noir but to be honest it's not bad i really do like Uh, it wait so what's your typical go-to wine definitely something on the sweeter side not so Mm. dry not so strong and potent i guess you could say but um, maybe something like not as sweet as a regular like Moscato, but something like a red Moscato. Yeah, Moscato-esque. What's the one with like uh, by Barefoot? Pink Moscato. That one's chill. Um, Riesling sometimes if I want to go something for something dry. I was going to say Riesling, yeah. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that can even be a little too dry for me, but... Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. You really feeling uh, (laughs) uh, sweet for sure. I already got my bottle poured, so (laughs) (laughs) I was ready. (laughs) You were like, yeah, I'm like not wasting a single second. Well, cheers to you, my dear. Cheers. Oh, fruity. Very, very fruity. Have you never had it? This one, I don't think I probably... Listen, like odds are, yes, but like the, but I don't, I don't specifically remember drinking this bottle and like what it tastes like. So I have, I have not, I, I am going at this from square one. Okay. So we're true reviewers here. Mm-hmm. But so very fruity, like a Pinot Noir, right? Bolder, but on the bolder side mm-hmm. than, of, of, uh, than a Pinot Noir typically is. So I'm interested there. 
Um, so cran uh, cranberry for sure. I definitely taste cranberry in there. Black cherry, one hundred percent. Baking spice for sure too, in the back of the mouth a little bit, in the throat, right? Like I get like like a little spicy. -ish. I'm gonna be straight up. I have no idea what the hell baking spice is. <laughs> 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 I was like, you're like baking spice. Yeah, I can taste it. I was like, I don't know what that is. But um, black cherry, yeah, I got that one. In the cherry cream, oh I got it. I definitely, like, I feel like it's a fall-ish wine, though, right? Like, I feel I'm getting fall vibes here. Like, I'm getting, like... A... If I lived somewhere that was a little bit colder yeah. right now, I would fair. I would, I would, would feel it. But it, it's cold <laughs> for Florida. I mean, we're only at, yeah, like, fair. 90 midday, and we're, we drop right. to, like, oh, mid-70s yeah. at night. We're like, oh, oh, man, yeah. that's a cold snap. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh man listen i like this one i for like i'm not typically a pinot noir drinker i y'all know i like my cabernets um but i am i think for a pinot noir i am enjoying this one i could definitely see myself sipping this one on a on a fall on a, a crisp evening yeah out on the patio i do have a mm -hmm. patio i wish i had my rocking chairs back from school but i don't have those <laughs> that was a vibe you you did love those rocking chairs so much those they were they were uh, they were a vibe they were definitely a vibe i mean i was in i were into those they were a vibe you can see over everybody you can be that little yeah. peeping tom oh, like oh i saw that yep the people walking on your <laughs> on your patio on your apartment patio was a one my friend that was so good Oh, that's bringing me back. That's bringing me back. Right? Love that. Well, let's get into this case with let's me because Montana, it. I ever since I realized that that you know you were going to be coming on this week, I was like, oh, I know the case for Montana. <laughs> I know the case for Montana, so I'm so excited for this. So I think that this case, Montana, is absolutely perfect for you because I know that you are a reality TV queen just as much as I am, and so I want to tell you about a case that rocked the reality TV world to its very core. This week, Montana, I want to tell you about Jasmine Fiore and the murder that changed reality TV. Thirty-two-year-old Ryan Jenkins grew up in British Columbia, Canada, just over the Canadian border from Washington State. He made a living as a real estate developer and investment banker, but in his free time, he took to the skies. In college, he studied business and economics, but also aviation and meteorology, and was a commercial pilot and flight instructor out of Calgary International Airport. But as his friends and family described him, he was shooting way past the skies. He wanted to be a star, and his personality really matched well to that. He was pretty cocky, but he was charming as the devil and had this way about him that persuaded anyone to do anything for him. He left Canada behind to move to where all the budding stars do, Hollywood. He wanted to become an actor. And so in 2009, he saw a casting call for a new reality dating show and he went for it. This was the height of so-called celeb reality shows, really sparked by the surreal life, VH1's version of the real world with the likes of Vanilla Ice and Dennis Rodman as its stars. The dating side of things really got kicked off by the hit show Flavor of Love, a Bachelor-style dating show centered around winning the affection of rapper Flava Flav. And look, I was indeed a fan, y'all. Like, you know that I love my reality TV. And Montana, I know you do too, because this was like one of the first things that we ended up bonding over. <laughs> yes, most definitely. Definitely. Like, we made so many, 
like side jokes about it in the middle of the class mm-hmm. while we were like working on homework, spending, doing overnights yeah. and like yes. working on projects. We were just like randomly talking about oh, like, like his <laughs> clocks and we're just like anything yeah, like to keep play, us awake. <laughs> Yeah, in New York, like, listen, like, oh, that, Tiffany that's Fuller, what it like, was. still yes. the queen, still the queen. Well, Ryan was just as into this idea of ordinary people rising to stardom, too. He saw a casting call for a show called Megan Wants a Millionaire. It was a show involving men who were competing for the love of Megan Hauserman, a model who became famous after competing on Rock of Love, a dating show where women tried to win over Brett Michaels, lead singer of the rock band Poison. Well, Megan rose to reality TV stardom in her own right and got her own show out of it, too. The idea was to find a millionaire, as the tale suggests, to make Megan his new trophy wife. The casting call asked for single men with a net worth of $1 million or more, and as you can imagine, that attracted a truly interesting cast of characters, Ryan Jenkins among them. Ryan answered the casting call and showed up to try out in Las Vegas, and the producers were hooked right away. They found him authentic, just like what his friends and family had described him as. They said he was a little bit of a Prince Charming, a good personality, certainly not you know necessarily the most good-looking guy of the group, but with an edge, though. A little bit of a bad boy, just enough. Hmm. This is just a whole interesting setup. You don't see this mm-hmm. nowadays in dating shows. Oh, no. This this show, 1,000%, would never get off the ground in 2023. Like, I just it, No, this is what that. apps are created for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, 1,000%. What's the seeking arrangements? Like, Megan sh- like the, Megan was the seeking arrangements before this. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. But also, like, imagine, though, like, being like, you know what? Like, the idea that we have here, right, is, like, let's just get a... Bu- like, the only people we want is rich dudes. Like, like I... Like, picture, right? Picture, like, the type of person. Just close your... Everyone close your eyes here for a second. The cl- Picture the type of person who would see a casting call for a attractive young blonde woman who just wants a millionaire okay open your eyes that's the type of person who was on this show and like like whatever you just pictured i promise you there was one of these people one of those people on the show in some way i want to know what was the age demographic here oh a widespread inside in fact i think there was like somebody who went listen like i'm like dating myself here just a little bit because again did watch this show but like i think there was somebody like on the show at first who was like 60 70 plus if i remember correctly um and like but they got kicked off at first and like literally even to the point of like so like they would have like those talking heads right and they would be like their name below it and typically it would be like you know like you know it would be me and then it would be like liam collins podcaster um but like in this in this show it would be like you know ryan jenkins and then it would be his net worth it would be like the amount of money that he had in the bank. Oh. Um, like as his lower as his like lower mm. third. Like that's what they decided to do. Mm. <laughs> so that that hey, you know what though? But it was working though. And that's what people were wanting. Like people were really wanting to to see, you know, this, you know, really niche kind of, you know, like like you know, carve out of the world. And frankly, like the reason I love it so much was because it was like, okay, regardless of how bad my life goes, like I will never be these people. And so like it, you know, so th- that's, that, that was the attraction, you know, we need, so, we need that for just for Florida. I'm telling you that was right. sell billions. 
Oh, re- for, for, I, Florida what should be its own reality TV show. I can back you up on that. Oh, man. That would, that would be so entertaining. Okay, but was Ryan a millionaire? Well, it's not totally clear, Montana, because when Ryan eventually did get cast for the show, Megan would later say that Ryan had kind of this, like, homely look. He apparently only brought one pair of pants for the entire show, which is odd to say the least but hey maybe that's all he thought he'd need right okay but he certainly had money and his parents had lots of it too his dad is apparently some famous architect in calgary but at the end of the day the producers probably didn't really care all that much right like at the end of the day a good character is a good character but when ryan got on the show megan was apparently really into him she would later tell entertainment weekly that she pretty much knew from the start that she was going to pick ryan at the end there was something about him Again, this really charming guy with an edge, and Megan clearly liked a guy with a little bit of an edge to him. The producers, however, disagreed, and they told her that the viewers wouldn't want Ryan to win at the end. He just wasn't likable in his interviews, and it wasn't going to translate well to TV. But, you know, Megan's real life wasn't on TV, right? And she saw something in Ryan, so she would later tell reporters that she spent a good amount of the show trying to convince the producers to let Ryan stay on every week, and they agreed mostly. But because Because Megan couldn't really get to know Ryan all that well on the show, she spent a lot of time when they weren't filming in her hotel room talking to Ryan on the phone. Megan told Ryan that she was going to pick him as the winner because she really liked him that much and Ryan liked her too. But as they got closer to the end, the producers became even more insistent that Ryan was not her winner. They did apparently make it clear to her that she could go talk to him once the show wrapped all she wanted, but he couldn't win the show. So understanding that this was at the end of the day a tv show megan sent him home right before the finale hmm well that makes me question a lot of dating shows nowadays to be honest Mm -hmm. um it's fair but it's very interesting the question is so i'm guessing that ryan didn't take it too well well no that's a pretty good guess, Montana. Just a few days after Megan wrapped her show in March of 2009, Ryan called her to tell her that he was really upset that she kicked him off the show. And Megan tried to explain to him that it was just a show and that it didn't mean anything and that she would love to see him now that the show is over. And Ryan was totally for it, but he said there was a bit of a problem because just days after he got booted from the show, he went to Las Vegas just really upset, so upset that he met a girl and they got married. Crime Over Wine is sponsored by BetterHelp. As someone who's used therapy for years, I know that finding a therapist can sometimes be a stress on its own, juggling your full-time job, your family, your friends, your podcast, and trying to find the right therapist on top of that can almost feel impossible. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp matches you with a therapist that works for you on your terms. It's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to one of 33,000 licensed professional therapists in as little as a few days. And because finding a new therapist is a lot like finding a new bottle of wine, if you don't jive with your therapist, you can easily switch to a new one at no additional cost. You can get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by going to betterhelp.com slash crimeoverwine. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash crime over wine for 10% off your first month. Join over 4 million people who decided to get help and get happy with BetterHelp. 
Ryan met 28-year-old Jasmine Fiore, a former bikini model who was originally from the Santa Cruz area of California. Jasmine was another stunningly beautiful woman, blonde, tan skin. She had grown up in Bonnie Dune, California, where in high school she had created a really sturdy foundation of eventually becoming someone really great. And she is the true definition of someone who you really don't know at all unless you know her really well. On the outside, she was living a life of glitz and glam, known for her good looks and model figure. By 2009, she had spent four years working with Playboy magazine promoting golfing events. She had a shot at becoming a Playboy model one day, but never actually ended up appearing in any of the magazines. But Jasmine's close friends knew her as being much more down-to-earth than anyone would perceive a model being. She was more of a family person who loved nature and animals, especially horses. She had a really strong work ethic, too, and a really warm personality. Growing up, she was a bit of a tomboy and was known to rough it up with the boys. She was raised by a single mother, and they struggled a bit financially. But she was really motivated to achieve her dreams. Her mother said she remembered her waking up every day with this plan in mind, even as a kid, and would set out each day to complete that plan. She was so regimented that they called her General Jasmine growing up. In high school, she bagged groceries to help her and her family make things work. Right after high school, she left the Santa Cruz area to move to Las Vegas and take up modeling. She lived there for several years trying to make it all happen. But eventually, she left that world behind and had just recently gotten her real estate license to become a broker. Okay, so how did she and Ryan meet? Well, Ryan and Jasmine met at a Hawaiian tropic party in Las Vegas in March. And just days later, on March 18th, they were married, quickie style. And producers from Megan Wants a Millionaire would later say that they weren't surprised at this news at all because it was clear from Ryan's time in the show that he was really most interested in finding a trophy wife. Jasmine told her mom the marriage was so that Ryan could obtain a green card since, remember, he was from Canada. Jasmine and Ryan both moved in together in a LA and Jasmine started pursuing her career in real estate. But very quickly, Jasmine saw a side of Ryan that she didn't like, and they ended up having their marriage annulled in May. What led to them breaking off the marriage? Well, Jasmine said that Ryan had right away gotten really controlling of Jasmine and was also keeping some secrets from her, although I never really saw what exactly those secrets were. As Jasmine's mom would later explain to 2020, he had apparently done everything that she had asked him not to do. He was also becoming really jealous over Jasmine's attention. Ryan's family, however, said that Jasmine wasn't innocent in their heated disagreements either. They said that Jasmine would often leave Ryan for days on end in his own thoughts. He had no idea where she would go. Jasmine had also had just gotten out of an engagement in December with a man that she had been seeing for several years. But she had still apparently been in contact with him and other exes while she was still seeing Ryan. But really just as friends, like they had been just been keeping in touch kind of thing but Ryan still didn't like that and it did end up leading to them fighting sometimes both verbal and physical he would yell at her like totally losing his cool but Jasmine was not one to back down at all that was not her personality and she would fight right back as Jasmine's friends and family would later learn though Ryan had a really violent background and a long history of domestic violence to the point that he had been ordered to attend court ordered counseling at one point 
Jasmine and Ryan's fighting had gotten so bad, though. Like, at one point, they had gotten into it so badly after Jasmine had apparently been seen kissing another man at a party, according to Ryan's family. Ryan allegedly punched her in the arm so hard that she was pushed into a pool. Jasmine, though, like, pressed charges after that incident, and he was charged with a misdemeanor and was scheduled to appear in court over that incident that coming December. Well, that's an immediate red flag, if there isn't anything else. I mean, Mm -hmm. but... Most definitely, I feel like I would hope the story ended here and she just got a divorce and they went their separate ways. But I have a feeling that did not happen. No, that didn't happen, uh, Montana, for sure. And like, you know, I do have to say, like, again, like not to like, like judge this type of person at all. But like, I mean, this just like screams like marrying someone you don't know. Right. I mean, like you like you met someone at a party and then like married them a couple days later in Vegas. Like like this, like not not victim blaming here at all, but like, this is the thing, kind of thing that I feel like ends up happening a lot of times in these types of situations. Um, and so it doesn't really surprise me, I guess necessarily. Um, but it, it definitely like, it just, it just seems like two people who never really should have been together in my opinion is an obvious example of domestic violence. I mean, no one's going to argue with that, but it can also be, you know, kind of hard to see and it can be even harder to figure out how to get away from it. Mm -hmm. So if you or anyone, you know, is a victim of domestic violence called the domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-7233 and we're also going to put that number on our website and in our show notes too despite their constant fighting and arguing though all of which was escalating ryan and jasmine still kept in regular contact like they were still trying to make amends and make it all work Around the same time of things getting really rocky, however, Ryan had gotten a call to appear on another reality show. It was called I Love Money, a competition show that took former competitors of these celeb reality dating shows and put them in a house together to compete for cash. Ryan left to film the show in the middle of the summer, and right away producers latched on to a really fascinating storyline that they wanted to use on the show. Nearly every day, sometimes multiple times a day, Ryan was calling Jasmine to tell her that he made such a huge mistake by letting her get away from him. He would write poems and tell her stories and would pray for her. He claimed that while he was away, he had this spiritual awakening and realized that, you know, what he really needed in his life to feel complete was Jasmine and that he wanted to win the $250,000 cash prize awarded to the winner of the show to give her the life that he had promised her while they were still married. And the more he talked to her, the more he convinced her that he was really the guy for her. But the more they talked, the, pr- the more the producer started raising an eyebrow or two about the way he was talking to her. He would ask her about her location, her activity, who she was hanging out with. It may have not been clear to the producers who didn't know Ryan off camera, but it would have been clear to any of Jasmine's friends or family that Ryan was up to his old tricks of obsessing over Jasmine's life and her every movement. It's giving obsessive it's giving Mm -hmm. psychotic it's giving crazy it's giving there's no other part of your life other than jasmine which is just sad no matter who you're dating who you're married to however long you should have your own life to live you should have your own storyline so that's really that's really that's really sad and i wish like I would only hope that women could see that as a sign that, you right. know, this that that's a major red flag. That's not a yellow fa- flag. That's not a like greenish yellowish hint mm-hmm. tint to it. It's red, honey. It's red, mm-hmm. and we need to run. Red means run. Right. 
Well, and like you would think, right? Because he like the show was filmed in Mexico, right? And so like 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 close-ish, I guess, to California, right? Um, but he, but so like you would think that like this guy goes off to like film the show to try to like you know he's pursuing his own career. You think that like that would be like a little bit of space, you know, between any relationship, the best of relationships, but certainly not. That's not them. That's not the, their relationship. It's not the best relationship. And so you would think that like this would be kind of like a little bit of a breather for for you both if you guys are really like that into each other um but and so the fact that she's that he's she's still getting calls from him like on a regular basis like everyone i firmly believe every relationship even the most healthy relationships still need boundaries still you still need time to yourself um and so he's not letting her have that um you know even though he's off doing his own thing you know being on tv and shit mm-hmm. most so, definitely yeah well, soon after Ryan returned from filming that show, Ryan and Jasmine started seeing each other again. And then Megan Wants a Millionaire started airing on August 2nd, 2009, right after he finished filming the show. Now, on August 13th, Ryan and Jasmine were seen checking into the Le Berg Del Mar Hotel in San Diego, where they were participating in a poker tournament fundraiser. Well, they stayed at the hotel for a little while before leaving around 2.30 in the morning to go to a nightclub. And about two hours later, Ryan is seen on surveillance camera returning to the hotel alone. Hello, Crime Over Wine listeners. I am Rachel. And I'm Heather. We are the hosts of Like Mother, Like Murder. We bring you the good, the badass, and the crime. Each week, we bring you stories from missing and murdered to survivors and women who empower you. And of course, some mom talk sprinkled in. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts at Like Mother, Like Murder. And give us a follow on social media so that we can say hi. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. All right, Montana, I am really enjoying this Pinot Noir. Flavor, 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 for sure. On on, on brand. Um, But there's so much flavor, so much fruit going on in this glass, for sure. Yes, most definitely. I I love it, though. It's like, Mm -hmm. I will still say, I'm... I've never been a Pinot Noir fan, but this is, this is really good. Like, I literally can't yeah. stop sipping it. Um, yeah. And it's not settling, like, on my tongue too much, which is nice. No. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it's it's lighter, for sure. It's it's a bolder-ish flavor, but it's definitely bolder than a Pinot Noir typically is, but it's light, it's still light-ish, like a Pinot Noir, you, you would expect it to be. Yeah, most definitely. It, it tastes good. It's smooth. It's elegant. Mm-hmm. It is elegant. It really is. It def- and it gives elegance, mm-hmm. right? Like the whole bottle, the the feel. It definitely is is like it's like a it's not like like uh like a party wine, right? If one exists, I don't know if one exists. I'm sure there's one out there somewhere. But like it, it's it's a it's like a it's I could definitely see myself like in like at like a steak dinner kind of thing, like like drinking this. Yeah, most definitely. So well, um, let's get back to the story, Montana, because the back end of this thing is insane um and i i simply can't wait to tell you about it so what do you say we get back into this let's get into it let's get into it well jasmine fiore is never seen on camera again after being seen on camera 
at the nightclub that she was at with Ryan. Now, the next morning, around 9, Ryan is seen leaving the hotel room three times with piles of clothes in his arms before he checks out of the hotel again, completely by himself. Okay, so where's Jasmine? Well, no one really seems to be looking for Jasmine necessarily, but they definitely find her a little bit later on. On August 15th, so the day after Ryan checks out of the hotel alone, Jasmine's mangled and naked body is found stuffed in a suitcase, which was thrown into a dumpster in Buena Vista, California, about 80 miles north of the hotel that they were staying at, and the way she is found is absolutely gut-wrenching. Police believe she had died just a few hours before she was found. She was unrecognizable, though. She had been strangled and badly beaten. Not only that, but her fingers and teeth had been removed. Truthfully, they didn't even know it was her, and they had no reason to necessarily, you know, think it was because she hadn't been reported missing or anything like that at this point. It wasn't until three days later when the medical examiner makes a positive identification that it was Jasmine using the serial number on her breast implants. Oh, man. This is when breast implants really come in handy. But, like, imagine, though, like, the only way that you're, like, you're, like, you die and, like, it's, like, you're so brutally murdered and, like, the only way that you, that you can be identified is by, like, again, I would imagine they have to, like, cut that out of you. You have to. They had to have, right? So it's, like, that's the only way that they're going to be able to say for sure that, that it's you. Like, I would guess, though, like, here's here's my guess, though. If they, if someone had reported her missing at this point... She wasn't really gone long enough for anyone to really be reporting her missing. But, like, if she had been, like, I would guess that there would have been pictures of her get turned over. And so maybe they would have been able to, like, guess, potentially, like, until they were able to, like, positively identify her in one way or another. Yeah. And I mean, what's crazy is that her breast implants didn't obviously save her life, but they essentially they identified expo- yeah. yeah they yeah. identified herself mm-hmm. and exposed her potential killer yeah that's so, so true it's like god only knows i would have never thought breast implants would have came in that in that in that handy in that shape form or fashion <laughs> oh no right okay so what was ryan up to at this point Well, Ryan had apparently left San Diego to go to Nevada to pick up his boat. And hours after police had already found Jasmine's body, but before she had been identified, Ryan called police to report Jasmine missing. Ryan said that Jasmine had allegedly left the hotel with him and dropped him home before going back out to run some errands, but never returned. Interestingly, at this point, police weren't even able to find her car either, her white Mercedes-Benz. Also intriguingly, when the operator asks Ryan to describe Jasmine, he describes her, among other things, as having bright white teeth and freshly done nails. Of course he would say that because he's trying to cover up what he took away. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, like, convenient, right? I mean, why why else would you, like, point that out unless you, like, knew that, like, you weren't going to be able to find her bright white teeth and freshly done nails? Yeah, and it's like, okay, so what about her eye color, her hair color, her right. skin tone, her height? I She did, they, she, he did give that to her, but, like, he made it a point to, to say these things of, like, the, the, these, like, extra descriptors, right? Because typically, they ask you for your hair color, like, your general height, your eye color, like, the, the color of your skin, you know, any, like, um, you know, defining characteristics, and, like, mm. the defining characteristics are, like, bright white teeth and 
freshly done nails. Which, like, why would that even matter? Like, why would it even matter if he had freshly done nails? What about what she's wearing? What did, what was she wearing when you first, when you last saw her? Right, right. It, it's it's just odd that again, it's it's just odd that you like go out of your way to like to 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 bring this up. But also odd, like let's talk about this, right? Like odd that like your ex wife is missing and you go out of town because you're you need to go get your boat like what like what is going on what is going on there well ryan also later calls jasmine's mother to tell her that jasmine was missing too police are considering ryan at this point just a person of interest someone who they want to know more about but not necessarily someone who they consider a suspect because i'm assuming at this point aside like ryan reporting her missing that like they like police probably connected the dots like got it again at this point got the picture and like compared it was like this kind of looks like the girl because they hadn't identified her at this point so worth noting but you know when police ask ryan if he could come in and answer some questions they find it odd when ryan says that he's now in utah heading to canada to resolve some immigration issues he's been dealing with no he's gonna have some other issues to be dealing with and immigration it should be at the bottom of his list. Well, and like what like what could it possibly have been like have been that much of an issue that you like had to leave when like this woman you claimed to be in love with, so in love that you couldn't leave her alone for more than a day when you were on a reality show. Like, like, what could possibly be the issue that that you had to deal with it right then and there? You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, like, like when these type of things happen, like, police can make a call, right? Like, if if you like if you're about to get deported for the love of God. And, like, your wife was just murdered and, like, or ex-wife was just murdered in, like, this brutal way. And, like, you're someone that they need to know more about. Like, I'm sure police could be like, hey, immigration, like, he's, like, we, like, we have a murder on our hands. Like, he hold off for, like, a week before so we can get this figured out. Like, that's all it takes. Like, that, like, like, they, like, they are connected that way. So I don't really understand why he, like, like, this is the week that he needs to figure out this immigration thing once and for all. Yeah, very coincidental. Right. Very coincidental. But, you know, even more coincidental, Montana, on August 19th, police in Blaine, Washington, get a call about a suspicious man driving a black SUV and loading a boat into the water. Well, when police check it out, they find the SUV and the empty trailer at a boat launch, and they determine that the SUV belonged to Ryan. Hmm. Not in Utah, to be clear. Like, mm. Well, I mean, like, I feel like there's a potential for... To find a lot of evidence mm. that that may be a, a hint there yeah. yeah i mean that's definitely probable cause for them to to search it i mean at this point if he if it's just like abandoned it's a, it's an abandoned car at this point so like that's i mean that's you know you can break into that if you want to police exactly and i think they they have every right to i mean he's a suspect i mean the boyfriend yeah. or the husband fiance whatever will always be the very first suspect of any Fair. crime with their partner so right Right, yeah, and I don't, I never really saw if they, like, if they did, I'm sure they did search it, I never saw that they found anything significant, which leads me to believe that they probably didn't find anything significant, but, like, still worth noting there, for sure. Um, well, it was at this point, though, that police start looking in more into Ryan's background, and that's when they find the current assault charge for the pool incident, and they also find some priors, too. You see, in 2007, Ryan was convicted of assault and sentenced to 15 months of probation, and he also had a separate misdemeanor domestic battery case pending in Las Vegas. So is this with Jasmine? Two com totally separate instances. So we're talking about three different documented cases of violence here. So, wait, so all of this happened before he went on the show? Yeah. 
Montana. So the company that produced Megan Wants a Millionaire said that they did hire an outside contractor to run Ryan's background check when he was applying to be on the show and he passed. Nothing ever came up against him. But we are going to get to that a little bit later on, so hold that thought there, Montana. It may not have reached the level of stopping him from being put on a TV show, but it was definitely enough for police to take a closer eye on him once his ex-wife was murdered, and enough to get some search warrants. At this point, police were convinced that whoever killed Jasmine had cut off her fingers and removed her teeth as a way to prevent police from being able to identify Jasmine's body. And it was that, plus the surveillance video that didn't seem to match Ryan's story, plus the odd video of Ryan removing clothes from the hotel room, which appeared to be him emptying out the suitcase so he could shove Jasmine inside of it, at least from police's perspective, and that clear, violent history of abuse specifically directed at Jasmine that police officially declare him the prime suspect and announce publicly that they have taken out warrants for his arrest. Get ready for that big test with Study.com. Study.com offers learning materials and test prep, even LSAT study prep guides for all of my legal nerds listening. Unfortunately, there aren't any wine study guides, and believe me, I did check. Listeners can get 30% off their first three months of any subscription level using the promo code CRIMEOVERWINE. Again, that's promo code CRIMEOVERWINE, no spaces, for 30% off your first three months at Study.com. Learn faster, stay motivated, study smarter with our sponsor, Study.com. Police hold that press conference, declaring Ryan their apparent perpetrator on August 20th, five days after Jasmine's body was found and two days after it was definitively identified. The Warrens charge Ryan with murder and calls for his bail to be set at $10 million. At the press conference, Ryan, who appears to have docked somewhere in Washington state, is believed to have fled back to Canada, thus sparking an international manhunt. Police say that because of his family's means that he would likely have the resources to hide just about anywhere in the world, and they said that he is likely armed. Mm, an international manhunt. Wow. This guy's dangerous, for real. Yeah, well, and he said that he was going back to Canada, right? Yeah. I mean, I totally, I totally get it, but... This is the thing. Like, when somebody's slightly suspected of a crime, it, it, like, chills me that they're able to just easily, ooh, hop out of the country. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So true. <laughs> well, and I would imagine at this point, I think the joke is that, like, I think that he was able to get out, like, before all that. And, like, that probably, like, sparked something of, like, yeah, like, he left the country Okay, this is probably our guy if he's leaving the country. You you know what I mean? Like that like that's like I think that's the order of operations here as opposed to like declare him a uh you know a suspect, you know, prime suspect and then he left the country. I think that would probably potentially be a little yeah. harder. But we're about to get to how he did this. So hold that thought and I think maybe that'll answer some questions. Not all of them, but some. Police had also found Ryan's boat by this point. They found it in Point Roberts, Washington, which is just over the border from Canada. In fact, it's kind of this, like, odd peninsula that's even, you know, not even physically attached to the mainland United States. I've never even, like, heard of this, you know, little island country 
<laughs> town, whatever. Um, you know, but the only land access would have been into British Columbia directly. And remember, Ryan is from Vancouver originally, so police said that he was likely very familiar with this area and knew where and how he would be able to walk across the border and get right into Canada. Well, I will say I'm not too film too familiar with this area either but my company that i work for their headquarters are in washington i was just there a few weeks ago had no idea it was like a two-hour drive to like vancouver and if you look up like like maps of this it's literally like this little like this point roberts is like this little like dip um like and it's like connected it's it can't be I mean, it's literally that that town. Like you picture, like the town, and then it's like attached, and then like then you like cross the border, and you're like in Vancouver. Like that's it. That's crazy, and I and I always wonder, like, what can happen between these borders? Like, it's just like it's too easily mm-hmm. accessible between the two. You think? Yeah, no, for sure. Because again, like if he can just like walk across, and he and he clearly knew how to do it, um, and then you just like so you can just like walk across the border, like and then like boom, you're in you're in Washington State, and then it's like super easy to boat across from there evidently but you know police go to the penthouse that ryan and jasmine had shared together and about a mile from the penthouse they do find jasmine's car her white mercedes benz and the inside was covered and saturated in blood police believe that it was clear evidence of either a gruesome struggle that took place inside of the car or a desperate attempt to cover Mm. up a crime i'm gonna go with a desperate attempt to cover up a crime. Yeah, I don't see somebody, like, getting murdered in a car. I just don't really see how that could happen. Maybe, I don't know. But, like, not not from her not from her standpoint, right? Because, like, from mm-hmm. what I'm gathering is that, like, she died from, from strangulation. And, like, there's no real blood involved in that. And so I'm guessing, my best guess is that, like, that's what he used to, like, transfer her yeah, body. Yeah, most definitely. I think that's the only thing that makes sense. Despite this discovery, though, police aren't totally sure if that was where they believe Ryan killed Jasmine because they also found blood on the patio where Ryan and Jasmine were staying the night before, so they never make that determination definitively. But as the international search for Ryan Jenkins moves into days, motel staff in British Columbia make a horrific discovery. Crime Over Wine is proud to support Emancipet. Veterinary care shouldn't be a mystery, and neither should your pet's health. Emancipet's licensed veterinarians have answers to all of your pet questions. In the Vet Ed video series, veterinarians break down topics from spaying and neutering to protecting your pet in cold weather. Learn more at emancipet.org and watch Vet Ed on the Emancipet YouTube channel. On August 20th, the same day that Ryan was publicly charged with Jasmine Fiore's murder, motel staff say that they saw Ryan pull up in a car with another blonde woman, later identified as his sister-in-law. Ryan stayed in the car, but the woman gets out and pays for three nights at the motel. She only stays with him for 20 minutes, however, before she leaves Ryan alone in the hotel room. But as Ryan's checkout time had long come and gone, motel staff go to the room to check on him and tell him that he was overstaying his paid time. Staff knock on the door. No answer. They knock again. No answer. So finally, they decide that to let themselves in. And when they open the door, there's Ryan, dead. 
he had hung himself inside mm. of the motel room using his belt. I just need to keep hearing this. I gotta hear the rest of the story. Yeah, you sure do. Well, when police arrive, they collect his belongings for evidence, and among that, they find a suicide note on his computer. The note was dated August 20th, and it was titled, My Last Will and Testament. In the note, Ryan explains how he loved Jasmine but was frustrated with her. He says that he believed that Jasmine was cheating on him, but that he was so torn of whether to cut it off with her for good because he loved her so much. He describes how while they were staying in the hotel for the poker tournament, she had been talking to an ex-boyfriend on the phone in their shared hotel room. But he never admits to killing Jasmine, and he never even references her being dead. But Jasmine's family and others who believe that Ryan Jenkins was guilty took his suicide as an admission of guilt in and of itself. I mean, I just feel like if he actually did kill himself, because I don't know where the sister-in-law was, but if he actually did do it himself... I mean, there's nothing to it but to admit it. He has literally nothing else to lose. So I'm just like, mm. if I was the mother, I'd be like, well, I mean, at this point, it's very easy to blame the dead man. Right. Sure. And also former, current boyfriend, X, Y, and Z, I don't know. But it's like, mm. it's giving someone to blame vibes. And it's like, why blame the dead person that left a suicidal note behind and didn't admit to their own mm. wrongdoings fully? I, I personally wouldn't wouldn't fully commit to that. Yeah, that, I mean, I, that, that is fair. I do think that it definitely leaves a little bit of in- ambiguity, right? But, like, I also, like, I think the evidence is pretty strongly pointing at him, right? Like, you know, history of violence, you know, last person to see her alive. Like, there's opportunity after opportunity. And, like, the weird behaviors, right? And, like, you know, leading up to her being dead. And then also, like, like you know, the in the days after her body being discovered. Like, just, it, it doesn't really, like, like match up. Up here and so but but to your point though that's very circumstantial like that's not a very like like hard like hard and fast case there at all like you can't just be like well they were acting weird and like he was probably the last person to see her alive that's not to me that's not evidence exactly and i think from a personal standpoint if i were to fully commit to hanging myself this y and z i will commit to everything in writing i, I like what are they going to do mm. to me nothing like, I've committed to doing this right. to myself. So why wouldn't you commit to everything? You yeah. at least want to, like, give peace to the family, I would think. Right. Yeah. And, well, you know, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I and I think, I like, we're on the same page here for sure. Like, but, but with the caveat for me personally of, like, He's, like, if it wasn't him, like, who else was it, in my opinion, right? So, like, I do think that he is probably the—he's definitely the strongest person, but to, like, pin it all on him just based solely on this, like, feels a little odd. People people can change. You never know. I mean, like, I, I, I'm definitely for, you know, going off history and patterns. I'm, I'm definitely for that, but I, I need—I need some—, mm-hmm. some something i need some hard evidence to rely on i agree i need some dna i need some 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 real good video not just like him being by himself and like uh, like say, showing our behavior yeah. exactly like i need him like wheeling that suitcase out of the motel room or out of the hotel room the night that they believe that she was murdered otherwise i don't really 
buy that. I and I and as I went from what I read, I, they don't have that. So, I mean, or you know, I could say I'll could put the little caveat caveat here. Like a lot of times, like they'll put out like enough to like to convince you know the public to convince people like you, like that like this is like reasonably who 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 we're going after here and like hold in some of the more like secure evidence for like an actual trial for actual court um so like it's possible that they do have this video that it's, it's possible they have dna evidence and they just like never released it publicly because he was dead and so like what's the point that definitely makes but sense. it it would it does make sense i think in my opinion but like but too on that note like you would think that you that in this kind of high profile case international manhunt that you would want to release all this evidence and be like like yep this was our guy we're closing this case like thanks for you know for you know the public for being for keeping an eye out for this guy but like and he was clearly our guy and this is why but i never saw that personally no exactly i'm not i'm I'm not hearing it either right (laughs) well jasmine's family though is still totally convinced that ryan was guilty of jasmine's murder but ryan's family though say they still believe that ryan was totally innocent And while we will likely never know for sure who was right about that, the reality TV industry faced a massive reckoning over this whole entire situation. Megan Wants a Millionaire was canceled immediately following the breaking news that one of their final contestants was a likely murderer, and they only aired three episodes. Ryan's season of I Love Money was pulled off the air completely and never aired at all. The industry was faced with the same question that we all have about this whole situation. How could someone with such a violent past end up in such an intense and intimate setting like a reality dating show and then go off to commit such a brutal murder just days after filming, hypothetically? The industry got a lot of flack for not doing enough to protect their cast. But again, the company said that his prior criminal history did not show up on his background check at all. The contracted company blamed it on Ryan's international status that they weren't able to see his prior criminal charges because they weren't familiar with the Canadian judicial system. The production company eventually severed ties with the firm, which had apparently eventually bankrupted them. Casting producers to this day are faced with the same questions. How are they protecting the ordinary people that they are plucking off the street to be under surveillance, basically? But in between VH1, MTV, ABC, CBS, and more, the network casting producers said that they think about the Ryan Jenkins incident with every casting call that they make. Now, background checks are even stricter. Cast members are apparently put through even more extensive psychological evaluations to ensure that there isn't anything that may surprise them and to ensure, in their words, that they aren't casting another Ryan Jenkins. Well, all I can say is sometimes, like, when I watch these dating shows, I'm like, what? Y'all are a little unhinged. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm like, what were you thinking? I'm like, bruh, like, He's he's psychotic. <laughs> so, I don't know. I feel like nowadays it can be either that much easier to identify somebody that has like actual legitimate psychological issues or is going through something or has possibly has some red flags or in chit-chatting with them online, talking to whatever it is, whatever these weird new experiments are these (laughs) days. I'm just like, 
you have to be on your P's and Q's. Yeah. Like, you have to be on your P's and Q's. Well, and, like, to be fair, though, like, in 2009, like, this was becoming the the norm, right? In terms of these, like, dating shows, like, they were everywhere. Like, Bachelor um, was, like, like really, like, rising to fame. Like, Skyrocketing. Yeah. It's, I mean, now I really think it's, like, even, like, like higher than that, right? But, like, it was still, like, it, this was, like, when people were really starting to pick up on that like they were clearly like you know duplicating that format because they did pretty much the exact same thing um and so these like reality shows were it and like i have to say like like today like like you have like a character every now and then that's like a little off and i'm like what the heck but like i really feel like this like phase of reality tv was when they were trying to get those people who were who were off the wall because they were interesting, right? Like they were like specifically like the the Isle of New Yorks, the Flavor of Loves, the Rock of Loves, the, like the Megan Wants a Millionaire. Like they were looking for those people very intentionally to to because they were far more interesting and far more entertaining. When in reality, they were probably really messing with people's heads like through this whole thing, mm-hmm. like because if you were sticking them in a house. With all these fucking crazy people. Not to say, like, not to put the blame on them for, like, what ended up happening. Like, I'm sure he would have killed this girl with or without the show. I'm quite positive of that, frankly. Um, but, like, I mean, you're just, like, I feel like they're stoking, the, like, at this point, they were stoking the fire quite a bit, I think. But, and they also had no other primary storyline or genre to rely on yeah. prior to. Right. So they went off their own merits. Their... Right. It was experimental. Yeah. Pure experimental. Yeah. And it's like, it's a dating show that's that's exhausting enough that could potentially be traumatic enough. And right. you're sitting here playing the system. Like... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I just, I, I will say, I feel like, and like, again, like going back to what I just said, like, I feel like they have like gotten a lot stricter about these kinds of things. Like they've gotten a lot more, like like understanding of like the like the vulnerable place that they're putting people into but i just like you said like i just feel like there are some of these shows and like this is an example of that right and like like in hindsight kind of thing where i'm just like like and like now i feel like i'm more aware of it maybe because i know about this case um so intimately but like i do feel like there are some of these shows that are teetering on that line of like you know pushing people to their psychological limits. Like, I don't know. And, like, to be fair, like, the, like, like a show like Survivor, like, they sign up for that kind of thing. So, like, sure. Um, but, like, there are some people that, like, would sign up for a dating show and it just, you're putting them in, in real intimate situations with other people. And I just, I don't know. I feel like they're putting very vulnerable and mm-hmm. typically very innocent people mm-hmm. into harm's way. Like, you're putting people into the arms of a psychopath potential serial killer potential abuser like you you don't really know like these people and it's not just they could be in like a terrible financial situation and tell you one thing and then it's a different story and you're living with them and it's just like okay finances is a problem of its own yeah by itself and then you like lie yeah well and you also like like you don't have to have like a documented like history of abuse of violence to be in to be an abuser or a violent person either yeah that's another thing that's crazy it's like i don't know that's that's what makes me feel like 
do what makes you most happy. Mm -hmm. Do what, listen to your intuition and do you, boo. Like, do whatever you want to do and just listen to you, listen to your intuition, follow your heart and follow your dreams. Mm. Morale boosters with Montana. Love that. Woo-hoo. What a way to end the <laughs> podcast episode. Love that. Well, I have, I have no way to, to follow up with that at all. So I'll just say <laughs> that that is all that we have for you this week. Um, so Montana, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure catching up with you this way. And I'm so happy and so blessed to be here and invited and to be in your presence. Yeah. Ooh, I'm college. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, bloop, 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 oh my bloop, gosh. Bloop. Stop. Oh my gosh. Stop. I'm, I'm honored that you decided to do it. But Montana, tell everyone where they can find you and your work online if you would like. Yes. You can find me on Instagram at callhermonty with a Y. C-A-L-L-M-O-N-T-Y. I'll greatly appreciate it and I'll follow back. I love you all and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> well, uh, Montana's thinking about starting a podcast and so get into her DMs and convince her to do that. Um, so just like, yes, well, if you love me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank Montana. Thank you again so much for coming on this week. It's been a pleasure. And thank you all so much for listening. We are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself and probably come up with a few theories too. And if you were just loving this podcast and you're just looking for a way to tell everyone and anyone about it the best way to help people discover this podcast is by leaving us a five-star rating and a review wherever you are listening right now so make sure you follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and if you're wondering what we have in store for you next week here's a quick sneak peek hello everybody it's liam and i am jamie tilson co-host of the podcast crack and crime next week i'm entering the crime vineyard talk about an infamous case of robbery that ended in an explosion and a complicated years-long investigation. And you are definitely going to need to hear every detail to get the full scoop, and we'll give it to you next Wine Wednesday on another episode of Crime Over Wine. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.